and Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. Goodness me, I can remember 2000. I thought that was not that long ago. 2024. So welcome to the New Year and welcome, as Sarah says, to 40 days of breakthrough. Now, if you're new with us or you've nodded off in the past, um, you may not be aware of our rhythms, but we have uh, a 40 days of something series at the beginning of every year. It's kind of what we've done, I think, ever since we've been coastline, isn't it? Something like that. Uh, and we've done the past 40 days of purpose, uh, 40 days of the Holy Spirit, 40 days of reset. And this year we're doing 40 days of breakthrough. And I'm really excited about this one. So what's this going to be all about? Well, first thing it's not primarily about, it's just a new teaching series, okay? Much as we're going to be, hopefully, in the next six Sundays, uh, trying to lead you some, some pretty encouraging, inspirational old stories of God's people seeing amazing supernatural breakthrough. Hopefully that'll keep us going. But this is primarily a call to arms to pray. And I will start off right with this, uh, right at the front with this. So on your seat is a little card, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But this is a little sort of aid memoir to you, or um, a little prompt. I've actually put it on my phone, so it's on my lock screen, just to remind us to pray over these next 40 days. And what we're looking for you to do is, whatever it is that's kind of in your heart, when I say there's roadblock issues or big issues that always seem to stand in your way, whenever you're making progress with God, I want that to be something the next 40 days you pray into. And we're believing that as we do that, as God's people here, that we'll see breakthrough. So you up for that? Great. So let's start off with our first uh, inspirational story, which comes from the book of 1 Chronicles. If you've got a Bible, please come with me. I'm in the NIV text. It will come up on the screen. And welcome to you guys at home as well. Hopefully you can see it on the screen as you track along with me today. And this is a great story of David versus the Philistines in the Valley of Rephaim. And it goes like this at verse 8 of 1 Chronicles 14. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him, go, I will hand them over to you. David and his men went up to Bel Parazin, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines had abandoned their gods there and David gave orders to burn them in the fire. Once more, the Philistines raided the valley. So David inquired of God again and God answered him, do not go directly after them, but circle around them, attack them in front of the poplar trees. And as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move out to battle, because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded him. 
and they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Giza. So David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all the nations fear him. What a great story. We thank God for his word. We thank God that it's true and it speaks into our lives. So what's going on here? Just another day in the office, you might be thinking, for David versus the Philistines. Another story of David battling against the Philistines. There seem so many of them to choose from in the Old Testament. But I would suggest there's something particularly special about this one and something particularly significant about this one. So first thing to to say about that is the context of it here. So some of you will know the David story well, perhaps better than others. Uh, Some of you may not, might not be familiar with. So let let me just give you a bit of a... Uh, A quick overview of where we're at. We're in the early days of David's reign as king of Israel. In fact, if you go back into the early part of Chronicles and back into uh, Samuel, you'll know the story there where, where basically David has been on the run from Saul for his life for many, many years, hiding in the mountains, writing all those lovely psalms. And we get to the, in the early parts of 1 Chronicles here, we get to the point where Saul has now been killed in battle, ironically, by the Philistines, right? And it says that the Israel leaders kind of muster together. They come around David and they say, you're God's man. You're going to be the one that's going to lead this kingdom. And we're going to make you king. And that happens, say, just a couple of chapters before the ones that we've read today. And we read that David forms a mighty army with some mighty warriors, some mighty men, and really establishes the kingdom. They go up to Jerusalem, they they sack Jerusalem, they make that their capital city, and of course it becomes David's city, the city of David, which it's often called even today. And then we get to chapter 13. I mean, oh boy. We get to chapter 13. And we get to the chapter, and some of, again, some of you again will know this story, some may not be quite so familiar with it, but this is the story of David saying, now is the time to bring the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem. Now that my kingdom's been established and I've been made a powerful king, now is the time to bring the presence of God to Jerusalem. Now is the time to say, this nation is going to follow God. Now is the time to say, worship of God is at the very centre of this kingdom. And David goes to get the ark from a guy called Abinadab. There's a bit of a story there. It ended up, long story, I could bore you with the story, but it's great. A fantastic story to read another time, right? But he ends up in the house of this guy called Abinadab. It says there that Saul never even asked God about the ark or inquired of of God with the ark in the whole of his reign. But David says, let's bring it up from Abinadab's house up to Jerusalem. And he puts it on the back of a cart. It's not what it says in the the Torah, in the, the Jewish law to do, but David thought it was a great idea. It's what the Philistines did when they moved the cart around. So he took an idea from this heathen nation And he put it on the back of the cart, and the cart's going along with a couple of oxen, and it says the cart hit a bump in the road. And the oxen stumbled, and the cart starts to wobble, and this glorious ark was about to fall off 
the back of this rickety old cart, and a guy called Uzzah reaches out his hand to stop it from falling, and God strikes him dead on the spot. 1 Chronicles 13.3. David said, let's bring the ark, let's, let's bring it up to Jerusalem, let's bring it up. And he does it and goes with it. But then in 1 Chronicles 13.9, it says, Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark because the oxen stumbled and the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah. And he struck him down because he put his hand on the ark. So he died before God that day. Disaster. And I want you to note David's reaction. This is why I take me to this story. Look at David's reaction. When he thought he was doing the right thing. Look, Lord, I'm trying to bring this, this wonderful representation of your very presence into the centre of my new kingdom. I'm trying to do the right thing here, God. It says, David was angry. This is verse 11. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. God breaks out against Uzzah, really. And verse 12 is the key one. David was afraid of God that day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? In fact, he did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom. And that's another story entirely. And here's the thing, right? At a moment where David's saying, I want the presence of God to be right at the centre of the nation. I want um, the worship of God to be the defining thing that we do as a nation. I want inquiry of the Lord to be right at the heart of everything, every decision we make and everything that we decide to do as a nation. The oxen hits a bump in the road. The cart takes a wobble and God strikes out against this guy called Uzzah. And it says, I don't understand you, God. It's almost what David says here. I don't understand you. I'm not sure where you're leading me, God. I don't know what to do now. And at that very moment of David's darkest fear, at that moment of David's moment of doubt about God, the enemy chooses the opportunity to step in. And the Philistines raid the valley of Rephaim. Verse 8 there now from 1 Chronicles 14 that we've read. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, and they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. And it's important to note here where they stood. The valley of Rephaim. So what is it? Well, it's actually around today. It's actually, there's a, in, in Israel today, there's a, a, a train track between Jaffa and Jerusalem that runs through this valley. You're looking up on uh, Google Maps today. But it's a significant, in, even in David's time, it was a significant trade route, a significant communication route in the nation. In fact, David's ability to essentially manage and run and rule over this new kingdom of his would have been severely hindered by an, a foreign army blocking his way, standing his way, blocking this strategic point on the Jerusalem map. And they kind of knew what they were doing, kind of taking up this particular stance. But there's something more going on that's not there at face value until you dig a little deeper. There's something else 
rather subtle going on here, I would suggest, that's really quite clever, because I believe the Philistines are playing spiritual mind games with the Israelites, because they've chosen to gather in the Valley of Rephaim, or, if you like, the Valley of the Rephaimites. So who were the Rephaim, you might be asking? Well, in Superman terms, for some of Israel, they were kryptonite. They would strike fear into the hearts of Israel. The Rephaim had popped up for years and years and years through the history of Jerusalem and Israel. In fact, they're they're described in many passages as being mighty men of battle. They're described as being big giants between seven and ten feet tall. And they even go back to a guy called Anak, if you've heard of the Anakites, you might have read that somewhere in the Old Testament, who says was descended in Genesis 6 from the Nephilim. Now, we haven't got time to get into this, right? But this is super weird. This is super weird stuff because it's generally believed that they were some sort of hybrid of angels and men or something weird going on there, right? So we're talking some pretty crazy stuff. But these super giants were like the boss level, if you like. <laughs> and they were pretty hard to defeat. And, and, and for years, Israel had battled with super large guys. But David had killed one or two giants before, so he was kind of okay with it, right? And he wasn't put off. But I reckon there were some people in the rank going, this is pretty bad stuff. They're, they're saying, look, we're the giants. We're standing in the valley of giants. Do you see this, Israel? You see what we're doing here? In fact, actually, it was the Rephaim who actually stood in the way of the people of God going into the promised land, if you know your story there, from, from way back into, uh, to, into Numbers. There's a story there with those 12 spies, remember that story? Go into Cana and 10 bad spies come back, or unfaithful spies come back and say, basically, we found the Nephilim in the land. We're not going in there. Uh, it says this in verse 33 of Numbers 13. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. We seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we looked the same to them. And they stopped going into God's promise simply because of fear of these giant men. And at this significant moment again of the establishment of the kingdom of David, at this significant fork in the road in one sense, these super giants come along and say, we're a big problem for you, David. We're a giant problem for you. You've never actually really defeated us because we're still here. And we're standing in your way once again, David, blocking your progress. How many times on your journey, on my journey, when we've said, Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, I want to give everything to you. I want worship to be the heart of everything I am. I want conquiry of you to be something that defines me. I want your lordship, your kingship over everything I do. Does the enemy come along and say, but you've got this giant problem in your life, Phil. You've never really defeated it. And it's here again to block your path. Mercifully, David was made of sterner stuff. He'd beaten the Rephaim before. He'd beaten the giants before. 
And David stands firm against this spiritual warfare attack, essentially, and says, let's go get them. Let's go after them. In fact, he says to the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answers, go, and I will hand them over to you. And we get this story of how the battle goes, basically in verse 11 there. It says, so David and his men went up to Baal-perazim, and there he, defeated them. there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. And that place is named Baal-perazim. And the image here is a little too painful, I suggest, to some after the things we've seen on the news this week. The image here is of floodwaters rising up, of pressure against dams becoming overbearing and overwhelming until suddenly the pressure, whoosh, breaks through the barrier and floods everything in its path. An all-conquering, unstoppable torrent of raging flood. That is Bel Perazim. That is the God of breakthrough. And there are times in our life where the pressure is building up on us, but the pressure of God is building up on our enemy. And the pressure of God is building up and up and up until at some stage it's going to go whoosh. And God is going to break through with unstoppable and unassailable power. And if we had more time, we could go on to talk a little bit about verse 13. The Philistines attacking the valley again. David now getting some super amazing supernatural army intelligence about how to attack them. And this time they're driven right out of the land. Gibeon to Giza was 17 miles. And commentators have suggested that this next time David wipes out the Philistine army from the entire nation of Israel right back to the borders. And it says... He established his kingdom once and for all to such ferocity and such power that it says, verse 17 there, David's fame spread throughout the nations and everybody was afraid of him. Baal Parazim, God of breakthrough. And that's what my God is like. And that is what my God is like. He is an unstoppable, raging flood. Nothing can stand in his way. When his pressure builds up, no barrier can stand. He is God of the breakthrough. This is the year of God's favour. And you say, well, how does this going to work out in my life? This is 40 days of breakthrough. For How do I apply this? to my life, to the situations, those, those things in my life that I wish God would break through on. How do I see God break through in those things? Well, surely the clue is simply in the text that we've read. David asked. It's as simple as that. David inquired of God, verse 10. Shall I go and attack them? Will you hand them over? The Lord says, Go. Scripture is full of it. It says, ask, ask, ask. (laughs) If my people call by name, will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, heal their land. 2 Chronicles 7.14. 
John 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. You may ask me for anything, and I will do it. And James said to his readers, you don't have because you do not ask. And straight away when I say, oh, Phil, you've got to think about the theology here. The trouble is, we're so troubled about the theology about these verses. Oh, we don't want to set an expectation that God always answers prayer. But then we then don't do the face value, literally taking it at face value and say, we've got to ask. For the good vineyard people here, you'll know faith is spelt R-I-S-K. But I would suggest it's also spelt A-S-K. Ask. And over these next 40 days, church, that's simply what we're going to do. Ask the question. God, will you bring breakthrough in this or that or the other? For 40 days, let's stand firm and ask. And what I suggest you do, write on the back of the card, if you... Depends what you sort of you know, like electronic things or written things. I like written things. Um, write on the back of the card maybe some areas that you want to see breakthrough in. And then if you like, you can take a picture of it, put it on your phone. I've actually done, I don't know if it's going to work now. There we go. I put it, the little um, logo thing on my phone. So every time I lock screen, so every time I pick up my phone, it reminds me. And when it reminds me, I pray. That's kind of what I've been doing. I've been doing this since the 1st of January. So I'm seven days ahead of you already. Right. But, you know, great. So look. That's what I encourage you to do. And look, we're so confident that when we come to God and we say, give me a fish, and he does give us a fish, that's what we're confident in, we're believing that God is going to answer prayers, right? And we set up this email task ID, task ID uh, breakthrough at coastlinevineyard.church. We'll put it into the weekly. And we're expectant that God is going to give story after story after story of amazing breakthrough in these next 40 days and into 2024. Because we want this place to be renamed. We're still going to call it Coastline John. Uh, but we want it to be called Baal Parazim, God who breaks through. You up for that, church? Amen. And just in case you think this thing is complicated, it really isn't. Like most things, will, it's, it's straightforward, it's simple. Ask the question. And God's response can be as simple as some of the stories that we're going to, these amazing, beautiful stories that we're going to look at over these next six weeks. It doesn't take much to see breakthrough. It might just need a single prayer or a single round stone in the forehead of a giant. Just one cry out of worship, one prophetic word, one simple angelic visitation, one angel on one night, one flash of heaven's brilliant glory, and bam, Baal Perazim, the Lord breaks through. So David went up and they named that place Baal Perazim, because there he defeated them and he said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemy by my hands. God of the breakthrough. Amen. Amen.